Hi, I'm Rob, and thanks for discovering season one of Two Bye Guys. We hope you enjoy it. So in season one, we recorded everything in person. It was pre-pandemic, and we used professional sound booths. And as you'll hear, the audio quality is pretty great. But it was also very complicated and expensive. And when the pandemic hit, those booths became impossible. So in season two, we tried recording interviews locally while chatting on Zoom, which kind of worked, but the audio quality was spotty. Sometimes people made manual mistakes with the recording. It was a huge hassle for me to receive the files, convert the formats, compile the audio, edit by hand. I knew I needed a better solution if I was going to continue the podcast. And Zencaster was that solution. The thing that was most important to me, knowing how the process works, is that the audio gets recorded locally, not over the internet like Zoom does. When you get up to seasons three and four, you'll hear how good the audio quality is. It rivals what you're about to hear from season one, which was recorded in professional sound booths. And it's so much easier and cheaper. Everyone can record from home with whatever equipment they have, even just a laptop's built-in mic. And then there's the editing and post-production. I used to have to go through every track manually, reducing background noise, mixing volumes and levels, making sure my guest and I were synced. Now Zencaster post-production takes care of all of that and delivers ready-to-upload files. So if you're thinking about starting your own podcast, I highly recommend Zencaster. It's easy, it's affordable, and it's very reliable, and the sound quality is great. And now if you go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter promo code 2 guys, you'll get 30% off your first three months. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash pricing, promo code 2 guys for 30% off your first three months. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. Hello, and welcome to Two Bye Guys. I'm Rob. And I'm Alex. And today we're here with a third Bye Guy, J.R. Youssef. Welcome. Thank you. What up, what up? Great to have you here, J.R. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, So J.R. is a Nigerian-American New York native. He is a writer, actor, and activist who believes deeply in the importance of personal power. His book, The Other F Word, Forgiveness, won first place in the 2016 to 2017 Reader Views Literary Awards in the self-help category. His writing has appeared in the Best Buy short stories, Bisexual Fiction, and Double Consciousness, an auto-ethnographic guide to my Black American existence, as well as Black Youth Project, Positively Positive, The Good Men Project, Escarp, Instigator Zine, and The Culture LP. JR maintains a YouTube channel devoted to self-improvement, emotional intelligence, and forgiveness. He created the hashtag BisexualMenSpeak. We will speak about that later. Welcome, JR. We're so excited you're here. I'm excited. Thank you. (laughs) Yay. So maybe to get the conversation rolling a little bit, I'm curious kind of what are the things that you identify as on whatever spectrums maybe you want to refer to or what are the identities you, Mm -hmm. you ascribe to? Um, so I'm black and I'm Nigerian American, which is like a very specific thing. Oftentimes I get that I am not Nigerian enough and I get that I am not African American enough or black enough. Yeah. Um, and I am also bisexual. Um, normally I actually just say bi. I usually don't say the sexual part, um, because of bad experiences that I've had in the past. Um, normally I've noticed when I say bi, 
people are like, oh, okay. When I say bisexual, I often get questions about like how many women I've had sex with and like mm. when I lost my virginity and shit like that um, from like strangers <laughs> or people who like, I don't know their last name or like mm. I'm just meeting them. So I just say bi, just leave off the sexual part because I don't want all of those questions, you know? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I feel that. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that <laughs> emphasis on the sexual seems to be very specific on bisexual men. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'm a native New Yorker. I'm from Queens. I'm from Far Rockaway. Those are some of the major ones. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll get into that too. Yeah. So maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of how you came to that label of bisexual and, and what that journey was like for you. Yeah. So I remember being like super young. I'm talking like pre-K, right? And I remember having or wanting the prettiest girl in the class and the most handsome boy in the class to like be my best friend and only share their toys with me <laughs> and like only want to play with me. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I also emulated them a bit. I wanted to look cool like they did, wear nice Jordans like they did, have nice clothes like they did. And I remember that. Those are some very strong early memories. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh yeah, I just had a crush on them. I remember I was about 10 years old when I first said the word bisexual and said like, oh yeah, I'm bi, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm bisexual. I grew up with a friend who is gay and uh, male and we kind of like helped each other in a lot of ways, like with our sexuality and like having each other there because we knew, oh, like we're both like kind of feminine or both like kind of outsiders. So we kind of like gravitated toward one another which was really, really nice in a lot of different ways. So yeah, I remember having that clarity at about 10, but then as I got older and I would say these things, or as I got older in general, it was like me being feminine was no longer like funny. As I was a kid, at times it was like, oh, kind of funny. He's a, he's a comedian, he's a clown, a class clown or whatever. Even though like I remember being called slurs, you know, like negative yeah. negativity to me being feminine. Um, and I remember people saying that I was gay and all this. But as I got older, that started to become more of a problem. The fact that I am feminine, I am a man, and I was trying to date women, that became more and more of a problem. It was always like, oh, nah, you're gay. And you're just hiding it, you're not comfortable yet, or whatever. So for like a long time, I didn't use the label bi. I went back and forth too between saying bisexual and gay. Hmm. And a lot of that too had to do with what I thought bisexual meant. I thought that if you were bisexual, I thought that meant you had to be attracted to men and women equally, the same amount of times, the same intensity. So, and that wasn't how it was for me, or that's not how it is for me either. Yeah. So yeah, I started comfortably using the label around the year, like I was like 22. So about like eight years ago. Okay. Yeah, around like 22 is when I really started like, no, I'm bi, yeah, I'm, I'm bi. Yeah, so it sounds like you discovered this bi label when you were 10, you said, and mm -hmm. then didn't really feel comfortable until 22 or so. That is a long journey, um, and it sounds like there was kind of a lot of pushback. What do you feel like you know you needed through that time to reach that comfort with that label? I needed an understanding from the world that just wasn't there, that isn't there now, that you know, bisexuality is normal. It's not this new thing. I needed people around me 
to not gaslight me and uh, to believe me when I said I was attracted to girls and not associate a man being feminine with a man being gay. Not necessarily. It's not like conflating those two things, like how you perform your gender or present your gender is not the same as like your sexual orientation. You talked about identifying as like a feminine man. Mm -hmm. When did you sort of consciously start to realize that? And how did that interact with realizing you might be bi? So, like I mentioned, some of my earliest memories were me being called the F word, like the slur. Uh And so I'm talking, what, five, six? Like, I remember being that young, being called these slurs and being told that I was gay and things like that. So I always knew that I was, quote unquote, different for a boy. Like, a boy is not supposed to act this way. When I was a kid, I would always get questions of, why do you talk like a girl? And sometimes, too, depending on what I was wearing, people would ask me, like, oh, wait, are you a girl or a boy? And sometimes they actually weren't being, like, malicious. They were, like, serious. So that was just kind of always reality for me. Like, uh, just always, everybody always was like, yeah, you feminine. Like, yeah. So that wasn't really, like, a thing that I really consciously thought about like that. It was like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I stand out in this way. This is not acceptable for boys to be like this. Um, but then as I got older, like, as a teenager, then I started to realize, like, the reason they're not believing that I'm attracted to women is because I am feminine. Mm-hmm. Partially also because people don't believe that bisexuality is a real legitimate sexuality but a significant part of that is because i am feminine Mm -hmm. you've talked a lot about your gender what about the gender of your partner what role has gender played in your relationships on that that yeah oh my goodness okay here we go (laughs) (laughs) um for a number of years i for like the last couple years actually i like consciously did not want to date women um, and did not want to engage sexually with women. A significant reason for this is because I was realizing that I have like a lot of, like I'm a product of my environment. There's so much misogyny that I need to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to distance myself and really understand that, you know, women are not my birthright. Uh, Women do not belong to me. Women are not property. And I have a lot more to learn, but I have learned so much. Another reason why I distance myself is because I have been rejected in in certain ways by women who I'm attracted to. And they're like, wait, no, you're gay. And like trying to tell me. And also desire, too. When I finally became more comfortable with my sexuality and like a lot was allowing myself to desire men and be excited about that, I wanted to be excited about that. I wanted to date men. I wanted to have sex with men, you know. But if I'm getting messages from society that say that my attraction to men is so wrong, so wrong, it affects my entire sexuality and my entire self-esteem. So when I came through working so hard on my sexuality and and working to get a lot more comfortable with my sexuality, I wanted to explore the part and explore with people who it's like so shunned for me to be with. So yeah, that was, or those are the reasons why for the, like the last couple of years I've, I've been like adverse to dating or having sex with women specifically. Um, 
now I am in a different place <laughs> than I was a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm in a place right now and I'm still working through this because um, I have been experiencing a lot of guilt because of it. Um, I am in a place where I really want to explore sexually with women and with feminine bodies. And for so long, I've been very like stunted sexually and um my default is kind of to go into like long stints of celibacy and things like that i haven't engaged sexually with women since i was a teenager i haven't engaged with women sexually as an adult as an adult male and i'm curious i think yeah. about it and i dream about it and i'm curious and i want to do it yeah there are things that you haven't had much of maybe or that's what it is and, yeah maybe i want to experience it more in, in those yeah. ways maybe yeah. i think for a lot of people you know myself included in this that there's just so much fluidity in bisexuality mm-hmm. because there's so with kind of a lack of a specific image of what we're supposed to have and what we're supposed to kind of ascribe to mm-hmm. it gives us more room and more eagerness to kind of explore all kinds of things where some people i feel like feel comfortable having their like sexual journey kind of end around like their 20s or mm-hmm. so I feel like mine is very much so continuing through my 20s, too, like you're talking about. And I think that's not so uncommon for bi people. I do want to kind of circle back to misogyny. So the thing about part of this that is problematic is that men get to assert our sexuality all the time. And it's always from the male point of view and it's always from the male gaze and what and our desire sexually in regards to women is always centered. Yeah, I think part of why I started realizing I might be bi was because I had a lot of that internalized misogyny also. I just didn't realize it for a long time. Like it was totally invisible to me and that was just how I thought relationships work. And then I think as I started to notice that more, relationships with women started to feel more fraught. And that was what made me want to sort of explore relationship with guys. And so I identified with what you were saying, like from within a relationship or a sexual encounter, I found that it's so similar being with people of any gender. Mm. But the pressure from outside Mm. and that we get from society, it's like, it's a very different type of relationship. And I felt a lot of expectations. Have you felt those kind of differences? Yeah, totally. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're going in. We're going <laughs> We're going deep. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, like I, like I kind of said, some of my reluctance to engage with women had to do with, like, rejection and feeling like I wasn't man enough and feeling like I wasn't living up to this idea of how a man who is attracted to women should behave. And so I felt in a lot of ways more accepted when I would engage with men who liked men because even though there is this whole like hierarchy like if you're more masculine or more feminine in like same-sex male spaces even though that still exists it's still normal in a way like if you are a feminine man or like a combination of feminine and masculine and you're dating other men it's like oh yeah yeah that's normal yeah, that's here. Fine. That's that's fine here. That's normal here. That's not like a big right. deal at all. So yeah, I just felt way more comfortable. I felt like I didn't have to prove myself or I felt like if I got really excited, if fucking Beyonce came on TV, then I would like, <laughs> everything's fine. Like, oh yeah, duh. Like, oh, you like Beyonce? Yeah, everybody does. That's not fucking like, that's not rocket science. Like, yeah, everybody loves Beyonce here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, whereas in straight spaces, I definitely felt like, okay, I need to like tone down my love for Beyonce or love for whoever. Like, you know what I mean? mean or i can't express myself in the same way right yeah. so yeah conform to those mm-hmm. expectations yeah yep 
I hear you. Yeah, so it was just easier to go to men and men who like men spaces. Yeah. 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 So, JR, you were also on the Slut Ever show with us. Yeah! <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was fun. That was cool. When that aired, you posted something on Instagram. I'm going to read what you wrote. Okay. You wrote on tonight's episode, uh, I and other bi plus guys talk about the stigma around male bisexuality and how being sexualized as a bi plus man is also a racialized experience for me. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that and what you yeah. meant by that? Yeah, totally. Oh, man. So... This part didn't make the show. This it didn't make slut ever. So, much slut ever. Did not make so yeah, yeah. That is an amazing show. That was an amazing time we had recording that. Um, and you know, obviously for editing purposes and showtime run all of that it didn't make it fine we recorded for like over an hour and yeah they used it was about minute. four and a half minutes it's cool, or yeah. It's cool. <laughs> but yeah still by visibility exactly yeah still by visibility um which is amazing yeah. yeah so yeah i was pulled aside and i was basically talking about how when i am in black circles the black community generally speaking I'm seen as like, you know, on the feminine side, like I'm not really seen as like in between or as masculine. I'm really kind of seen as like on the feminine side of things. Right. And so because of that, my sexuality as a bi man is not believed. It's like, come on, we know that you're gay. We obviously know that you're gay. Come on, stop playing. Who are you fooling? Look at you. Like, (laughs) you know, look at how you act. Um, (laughs) Whereas in spaces or with people who are not black because i am black that's automatically like a masculine boost it's like oh you're black you're a black guy you're masculine or you're more masculine so because of that because they perceive me as more masculine because i am black they are more willing or more likely to believe that i am in fact bisexual so that definitely walks into the whole like problematic racial territory And it's something that I've observed. And, um, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In those situations where you're either kind of being viewed as this feminine gay man in in black communities or this sexualized by masculine man in communities of other races, do you feel like that directly impacts the way that those people treat you and the expectations put on you? Yeah, expectations, man. They can definitely affect how you show up into spaces too. If there's an expectation for you to be a certain way, sometimes you will play into that, just ease into it. Sometimes you will like rebel against it and that can come off sometimes as like really like weird and off-putting. Personally, I just normally just try to go in and be my authentic self. But nowadays I prefer not to go into spaces where I don't know people already. I go into spaces where I know people already. Yeah. Is so it, it sounds like maybe maybe to avoid kind of the assumptions that people make of you, yeah. right? Like to avoid somebody assuming you're more feminine or mm-hmm. more masculine based on like five minutes of interaction, mm-hmm. right? Like they have yeah. a little bit more knowledge about you and therefore can just kind of treat you in a more respectful way, right? As, yeah. as any of us can. Exactly. So yeah, um, I feel like what I'm saying is I isolate a lot, <laughs> which I know that to be true about myself. Um, but I know that that is very true for a lot of bi people. It's not even just the whole like masculinity, femininity thing that makes me want to stay away from people. It's so many things nowadays. The list just keeps getting longer. 
you know, finding the strength to still put myself out there because there's risk in everything, in every relationship. And, you know, meeting people can also be fun. It doesn't always have to be this daunting thing either. But I definitely notice that I do shy away from like meeting new people or being in spaces with new people. And I know that a lot of bi people feel the same way. So here we have your book, The Other F Word, Forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, so you wrote this in your mid-20s a few years ago. What is it about this topic of forgiveness that interested you? And, like, why is it a powerful tool? Oh, man. Um, I really wrote this for really selfish reasons. I wrote this book for myself. And I think that because of that, is so truthful and it is so vulnerable and it is so real. Um, I wrote this because I had and still struggle with forgiveness. It is really hard for me to let things go. It is really hard for me to forgive people who I love and who love me of some of the worst years of my life, some of the things that they put me through, um, namely my parents. Um, I had a really rough, horrible childhood, and um, when people think of parents, they think of protectors and they think of nurturers and things like that. And that is just not the experience that I had in a lot of different ways. Me writing this book really, really, really was to teach me how to forgive and how to let go. Well, and the book is kind of designed to be, it's like a 60 day kind of framing for exactly. it, right? That yeah. you, you read it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Like how did that format come up for you? For- yeah, so that format didn't come up until like I was maybe somewhere like halfway through the book or something like that. There are chapters in there that I started writing when I was 17. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just kind of writing short stories and writing affirmations and writing journal entries about forgiveness. And I wasn't doing it consciously at first, literally, like I was literally just doing it because this is what I needed. This is what I needed to get to the next day or the next week or whatever. And when I got like halfway through, I was like, wait a minute, all of these things have something in common. I should like turn this into a book. And that's what I did. (laughs) Cool. You talk in the book about becoming the person you needed when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Who is that person? And is there any connection to sexuality and gender and that kind of acceptance that you maybe didn't get at a younger age? Mm -hmm, Totally, yeah. So becoming the person that I needed when I was younger is all about me becoming my healthiest version. It's all about me becoming my kindest version. It's about me making my friends and my family members feel safe when I'm around them and when they're around me. And that is a person that I needed when I was younger. I needed somebody who was the confident, bisexual, feminine uncle. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So it's all of that. It's interesting because forgiveness is like, it's something you sort of give to somebody else, but it really comes from within and it's an internal thing. And like, to be the a person that can help other people and provide support to other people or parent a child like what's really important is being comfortable with yourself. So yeah, a lot of people think that forgiveness is for like somebody else and it's really really honestly truly it's for you. It's for you to have peace, it's for you to let go of anger and it's not to necessarily even let people back into your life or to be a stand-in for reconciliation. It doesn't always have to be that you get back with this person or that you allow them back into your space. 
sometimes like forgiveness is about like letting go of anger and realizing that you have to let go of this relationship too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you have been very active talking about bisexuality and other topics on social media. And let's start with the hashtag that you created, yeah. uh, hashtag bisexual men speak. Yeah. So you did use the full bisexual. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you about that, too. I'm just realizing yeah. that now. But uh, let's start with, like, why did you start it? How did you promote it? What was the beginning of that? Like? Oh, my goodness. It's I this is so it's a little weird. It's a little weird <laughs> for me. This is a little weird for me because it's like literally really unexpected. Um, I don't have that many followers and when I started this I didn't have that many followers either so I was really surprised when it blew up blew up yeah, and people yeah. were using it like, there were like I, hundreds of retweets yeah, it is still weird to me <laughs> I don't want it to stop at yeah. all please but I am still like why what like you know um so yeah I was to be honest I was at work it was like a slow day at work and um I was just on Twitter and I was talking to one of my followers she is bisexual we were talking about couples Mm -hmm. and couples that we basically have crushes on both parties in the couples (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so we were going down a list of celebrity couples blah, blah blah and then um these two people came up and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm really attracted to both of them. But the guy actually said some, like, you know, really biophobic remarks. And he basically said he didn't think that men could be bisexual and something along along those lines. So me talking about it again with my friend who's bisexual kind of reminded me and, like, reopened that wound. It was like, oh, yeah, like, people don't think that bisexual men exist. So I don't know what made me put bisexual men speak But I just did. I was like, yeah, like, we exist. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm tired of, like, having to prove every five minutes that, like, you know, bi men exist. And I just kind of kept tweeting and adding the thread. And, like, people started retweeting it for some strange reason. (laughs) And then eventually people started using the tag. And I was like, this is amazing. Please keep doing it. But why is this happening? (laughs) I think people don't, like... The idea that bisexual men exist yeah. should be so basic, but it is kind of a radical idea. That's why we named this podcast Two Bi Guys, because that's the main point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the most overlooked point at the yeah. very least. Right? Yeah. Like, there's plenty that we all want to be talking about, but like that's the thing that nobody seems to be aware of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here we are. That we're a bunch of bi guys, three bi guys yeah. today, just chatting, right? Yeah. 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 So why bisexual men speak as opposed to bi men speak? That's a good question. Um, I think, <laughs> so, okay, I'm so glad that you you bring this up. Online, I have no problem putting bisexual, like, in my bio or whatever. I have no problem using the word bisexual online. Uh-huh. But in person, I don't say the sexual part. Yeah. I just say bi yeah. in person. And, like, bisexual is just used in names of slogans and, mm-hmm. like, LGBT yeah. and all that. Yeah. So it is, if like, a standardized put, way of identifying it. If I put bi, I don't know if everybody would know that I meant, like, bisexual. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't I know. Maybe that's some what, other weird some, word. Yeah, that bi what? Seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you have, like a social media mission do you set out to be an activist or is it sort of accidental the way it happened this is accidental i think this is the first time anybody has called me an activist um that feels very weird and great um, <laughs> i think it applies oh my god um so i guess my mission is a huge one it's for people to look at a man 
that they find attractive and think, oh, I wonder if he's gay, straight, or bi, globally. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. to be a normal thing and it not to be a disgusting thing and just like, oh, like, yeah, like, there are variances of sexualities and none of them is right. So, like, being heterosexual is not right or normal. It's one sexuality of many sexualities. Right. When I say bisexual right now, I mean bi plus. So I mean bi curious. I mean queer. I mean pansexual. I mean people who don't do labels. I mean everybody who falls under the bi umbrella, heteroflexible, homoflexible, everything. I mean all of that. Um, so I really don't want to leave anybody out. But yeah, I want people to like wonder when they are attracted to someone or whatever. It's like, oh, I wonder if this person is this, this, or this. Rather than like, oh, gay or straight. Like, there is more to sexuality than gay and straight, you know? Yeah. I yeah. love that. Shouldn't be the default. Yeah. 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 Somebody recently was talking to me and they were talking about how when in a situation when somebody's like, do you think they're straight or gay? They always have to be the one to say like, Maybe or bye, mm-hmm. or bye, yeah. or like, mm-hmm. right. And that it helps sounds like you're... You're kind of amplifying that in a very direct way that caught on. It's awesome how much traction you've got it through Thank that way. Thank you. You have got a lot of traction. A couple of your tweets, like the bisexual men speak, have gotten big. Yeah. But others have like gone to tens of thousands of retweets yeah. randomly. Like, yeah, that's crazy. What's that like? <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. And usually I mute my tweets. Well, depending on. Like, if it's bisexual men speak, I usually don't mute those regardless of how big those get. Mm -hmm. But if it's, like, another tweet that's, like, too much too fast, I usually just mute it and then I'll check back in on it, like, hours later or whatever. For bisexual men speak, um, the hashtag, I try to be very diligent about it and I try to, like, start conversations with people and... The direction that I'm going with it now, because it's one year later from me starting the hashtag, is for it to really be about bi men and masculine identified people and to bi men and masculine identified people. Like, I want it to be a us speaking to each other instead of just, like, speaking to the world, like, hey, we exist, we exist. Mm -hmm. I want to, like, speak to us and talk about issues that we are facing because I want us to be healthy. When you look at our stats for depression, anxiety, um, suicide, when you look at things like poverty levels and um, all other kinds of things in terms of health, we fare terribly worse than our gay and straight counterparts on all of these levels. And I want us to be healthy. I want us to be happy. So I want to talk to us like I want us to be in conversation. Yeah. You know? yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that it's also in an extremely public forum, right? Mm-hmm. Where where other people are viewing that conversation, mm-hmm. but they're viewing a conversation amongst us, us. as bad yeah. guys, right? Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah there's definitely a lack of that discussion among bisexual yeah. men. There's not a lot of space to do that. So and it is great you're creating some. Thank yeah. you. I mean, it took a very strange series of events for the three of us <laughs> to even be in the, the room together, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, otherwise, we would have looked, walked right past each other and never have known because yeah. of that inherent bi erasure in the world. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that support and just knowing other bi people and hearing their experience was probably the most valuable thing for me in accepting my identity and like becoming comfortable with it. So that's really, I think, one of the most important things you can do is create community. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is going right in the conversation about these issues on social media? What do you wish people would talk about differently? I have noticed personally with the people I follow and the people who follow me, a certain willingness to at least acknowledge like, oh, yeah, I have these biases 
against bi people and against bi men. And I know that they don't come from me. They come from the programming. So all of these ideas I have about bi men being cheaters and liars and blah, blah, blah. Yes, I believe them, but I realize that that is conditioning. So I notice that people are, are more aware of their conditioning. Because they're aware of their conditioning, they're more accepting to like find an alternative and find a way to get away from being that way. Now, that might not be the way the world is going right now, but that's <laughs> those are the people who I follow and who follow me um, and the people I haven't blocked on Twitter. <laughs> um, what I do not like... <laughs> um, There's a lot. Uh, I will just say this one thing that I do not like. I do not like that I never see the word biphobia or bi erasure. Mm-hmm. I do not like that people only say gay, lesbian, and transgender. I don't like that it feels like we are being left out online. Yeah. Especially when there are more bi people in this world than gay or lesbian folks, right? Can we break yeah. this down? Can we get yeah. into this? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Can we? Oh, my God. <laughs> it, is. it is so invisible, and yet it's the most common among the LGBT mm-hmm. community. Can we talk more about this, like, specifically? So yeah. from what I've read, 10% of the population globally is only attracted to the same gender, mm-hmm. only has only ever always had dreams about, has had fantasies about, blah, blah, crushes on the same gender. has only had crushes on fantasies about blah, blah, another gender than their own. And 80% of the world globally, from what I read, falls somewhere in between Mm -hmm. where they might have only had fantasies about one guy before or maybe two guys (laughs) and the like. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard that stat, but it make that makes perfect sense to me. Like that's the spread that I imagine. I think that yeah. is accurate. Mm. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of talk about a bell curve, right? Like how there's a few people at the ends, but almost everybody falls in in the bi spectrum mm-hmm. that we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Where they fall on that bi spectrum is up for debate. And mm-hmm. it, it's tough to say, is that really like a bell or are there kind of big clumps at either end mm-hmm. and then another big clump in the middle of mm-hmm. so there are kind of three distinct identities. Um, And I'm seeing a lot of conversation about that and the pushback to it, unfortunately. It's just hard to, like, you need honesty from people to Mm -hmm. to get these answers. Mm -hmm. And that's not kind of honesty we can expect from Mm -hmm. people who are not, you know, in this biphobic world, aren't encouraged to speak out about Mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah, I think also it's like the lack of resources and it's the lack of language. It's people think that they are supposed to only like one gender. Right. And conversely, people think that they are only supposed to be heterosexual, too, you know. So when you have a person who, yeah, most of the time they're a guy and most of the time they only think about women. That's who they want to date. That's who they want to marry. That's who they want to have sex with. And once in a while or maybe only once or twice, they've had like a really hot dream or a really hot fantasy about a guy. And it's like, well, does this suddenly mean that I'm bisexual even though I don't want to be in a relationship with a man or whatever? And so it's like these conversations. um, We just lack resources. We lack resources and ways to navigate these things and ways to talk about these things and like that it's not really a big deal and it's not a bad thing to be with the same gender. Right. I think there's so much internalized homophobia Mm -hmm. that that prevents people from going down the path of 
you know, what does that one thought or mm-hmm. that dream mean? Mm-hmm. Because they want to shut that down. Yeah. yeah. And to, going back to what you were talking about, JR, I think, you know, I've recently started thinking a lot about how I feel like it all comes down to this expectation that we're all kind of taught to create for ourselves, mm-hmm. that we're taught to follow this like relationship, relationship escalator, escalator or something. Is that it? what it is? I've heard of that, um, But like the idea that we go through life in a certain way and we kind of like are in a relationship and monogamous one, of course, because that's the only possibility. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and, then, and then we kind of like move through the motions and then we get married. We have two right. and a half kids and all of that, like right statistically, the next level. like that's what like is supposedly the most normal, what we're supposed to adhere to. And I feel like as a bi person, the reason why I'm able to see my bisexuality in a more open perspective where I don't know who I could marry in the future and who yeah. I could be in a relationship with uh, in regards to gender, at least, mm-hmm. is because I've broken down that expectation and I don't have the expectation that I'm going to settle down with this person. And that has created a world where I don't have to have any kind of image in my head, right? Because the second you start imagining a person you're going to marry or you're like hoping to marry one day mm-hmm. and you're dreaming about your soulmate or whatever, you picture a gender, or at least we're taught to, mm-hmm. right? And bisexuality mm-hmm. doesn't have room in that, mm-hmm. right? And anything that threatens that, you're gonna resist it, and you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna give it the real thought and consideration that it might deserve. Yeah, there's a real disconnect between that spectrum of like most people somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and the identities that people have, because yeah. still it's changing and it's getting better. Like now, among young people, close to fifty percent identify mm-hmm. as something other than straight. Right, but that's still 50% that do identify as straight, and some of them are having other thoughts or experiences, and so, like, you know, we do want to normalize talking about those things regardless of identity, I think, and what label you're choosing, Mm -hmm. because all those thoughts and experiences are totally normal and within a range of fluid human sexuality, I think. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that was a fascinating conversation. Uh, Thank you, JR, for being here and having it with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. Of course, and and hopefully this is just the first of many conversations. That would be dope. That would be really dope. Thank you guys so much. Our music is by Ross Mincer. Graphic design by Caitlin Weinman. This podcast is edited by Moxie Pung and is also produced by Moxie Pung, Matt Loomis, Rob Cohen, and me, Alex Boyd. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys.